Bills knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode, where am I? 263. I don't know. We've recorded twice today, so I'm a bit burned here. Uh, Jason Lingren is with me, and as promised, we have the man, the myth, the legend, and I'm not kidding, he's becoming legendary now, Alphonse Fagiolo. For those of you that caught, what would it be, episode 261.5, there was a bumper on YouTube, there was roughly a 10 or 12 minute clip run uh, with direct insider information on what's been going on uh, inside where Alphonse has been delivering his affidavits but welcome jason we did this twice today is this going to be like a sunday monday show something like that this one will be yes okay so we're not sure what the length will be because we're going to get alphonse's response but i want to open up with this because so many people were asking alphonse has offered to provide templates and i have an inbox stuffed begging for examples of NOLs, affidavits, all this. So, Alphonse, welcome aboard again. Uh, You're becoming quite legendary. Apparently, you're known to the state line and beyond uh, because of the work that you've done defending your own rights. But can you please tell folks what the documents will be that you'd be happy to provide so they can have templates? Hey, guys. Uh... Yeah, never my intention to be legendary. Trust me, I just wanted to, just want to be left alone. <laughs> you know, it's just, too, too late. You're 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 a bit <laughs> you're headed for myth here. Yeah, uh, basically, one of the main affidavits you want to do, and I think will really help people, is your affidavit of status. And you could almost take mine and copy it to a T. You copy, you you change a couple different things in there, but it's all. I mean, if you're if you're in America, you can use mine. If you're in another country. You're going to have to pull out your uh, your constitution or whatever, and you're going to have to sort of substitute what we're using over here. Well, right from the get-go, Alphonse, is that cool state-to-state? Is it going to matter because you're in Pennsylvania? No, I'm pretty much sitting on a lot of the federal stuff with the, uh, the, the constitution. So uh, it doesn't matter what state you're in. It's all going to be applicable. It's all going to work. Okay, because I'm sure that's one of the questions that's going to come up, so. Yes. Well, yes. The, well let's, let's, let's broach that. So I know Australia's kind of constitutional ideas are built on ours so it's probably not a far cry to assume that these would be malleable enough documents to port over to australia i know we're going to get a crap load of email from the uk and canada any insight there do you have any clue alphonse about the usability for canada and and, uh britain no i mean it's my understanding i mean i'm getting a lot of emails from uk it's my understanding that uh you said i think a lot of it is malleable i don't know their constitutions but they have the same principles that we're going to lay out in our federal constitutions, things we're touching upon. They have the same principles over there. So it's really just sort of a cut and paste. You know, you, you substitute yours for ours and uh, it should work for you. But really what you're doing is you're remember, you're, you're doing it by way of affidavit, your affidavit of status. You're basically stating that I don't care what country you're in. You're stating that, listen, I'm a flesh and blood man and, and my rights come from my creator. They don't come from a, a, the Constitution, and they don't come from statutes, codes, and laws. They come from my creator. And when you put that in an affidavit form and you get it notarized, uh, well, now somebody's going to have to rebut your affidavit and state that you're not a flesh and blood man and that they have authority over you somehow. Uh, and that's sort of a real slippery slope for them, and I've never seen anyone step forward to, to challenge that. And I would use that, uh, at that status affidavit like a hammer because uh, I would include that status affidavit every time I filed 
I'm also going to give you what's called like an affidavit of facts. And think about an affidavit of facts is it's addressing a certain situation, whether it's a mask violation, a traffic ticket, whatever it is. You're going to do an affidavit of fact for that that matter. And your header is going to be the same in your affidavit and the footer is going to be the same. And the stuff in the middle are your facts. And you're going to find out that once you do start doing a couple affidavits, it's almost like cut and paste. You're going to use a lot of the same bullet points for different matters. So once you get one under your belt and you have mine to work with, it's going to be real easy for you to start creating more affidavits. Uh, and what I would say is, so when you go to address a matter with a, say, say you get a traffic ticket and you're going to, you're going to challenge the court's jurisdiction and, and you're going to challenge the, uh, the cop. And I'll tell you what, I went back and listened to with Stephen Miller's episode. I highly recommend people go back and listen to Stephen Miller's episode. He's got some phenomenal stuff in there about impersonating officers. Uh, that's powerful stuff because I think it was like title 18, nine, 12 and nine, 13. I'm not sure on the, on the, the numbers, but Steven touched upon, you need to understand who these people are. A municipal corporation is basically a private corporation that is masquerading as a government. They're providing government services. They're just a corporation like McDonald's or Boeing that are providing municipal corporation services. So the police that are hired for that corporation technically are only like security guards for the corporation, okay? They are not officers of the United States. So when you go read those two statues that I think Stephen cited, I think they were the, the ones I gave you, uh, there's some really damaging stuff in there about impersonating an officer. And technically that's what that guy is, that that cop that comes up to you, he's not an officer. He's, he's a member of their club. He's a member of their administration. He is not an officer. And short of you damaging somebody from his administration, you you punching somebody or hitting somebody's car, uh, you know, committing a crime, uh, that man should not be messing with you under any circumstances. He has no authority to be messing with you. And what they do is, like we were talking about last episode, me and Crow, Crow battled a little bit on what, you know whether a driver's license was a contract. But the main point was, and we both agree on this, that. Uh, it's done through force, threat, and duress. You've got an armed man approaching your car, and he's going to impose statutes upon you. They're, they're corporate codes upon you, and that man has no authority to do that. So when you create these affidavit of facts, I would get in the habit of always including your affidavit of status, just to shove it in their face, basically. You're, at every every event, you're, you're, you're basically, whatever it is, whether it's a traffic ticket or something else, you're giving them your affidavit of fact, and you're giving them your affidavit of status, and lay it in their laps, because what's going to happen is, they're not going to rebut your affidavit. You're not going to get a rebuttal because nobody's stupid enough. The attorney's not dumb enough to give you a rebuttal because it's personal liability for him. And if you've ever talked to anybody from these townships or these boroughs, uh, I don't want to talk about people's intelligence, but they're button pushers. Okay, they, they get these jobs and they're told this is what you do and this is how you do it. And that's exactly what they do. You start asking them just the most general legal questions. Their eyes glaze over. And when you get the second question out, you'll get the, you have to talk to my attorney. So you need to understand that this entire thing is not being orchestrated by your local municipality governments. It's being orchestrated by the Bar Association that's in control of these municipal corporation governments. Uh, they are the, the, the puppet masters that are, that are telling these people what to do and what to send you. Any document you get from a township or from a borough, it's coming from an attorney. Might have somebody else's name on it. They might have the township's name on it. It was written by an attorney, so just need to understand who, who your who your foe is. 
It's really not the people working at the borough or the town. They don't know anything, though. You're going to hold them personally liable because they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Uh, but it's really the attorneys you're you're, you're, uh, you're messing with. So there are two main documents, your affidavit of status and your affidavit of facts. And like I said, your affidavit of facts is a, an event-specific affidavit. You'll do it for whatever you're addressing, a mask violation, a traffic ticket, whatever. And when you really want to start putting the, 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 uh, the hammer to them, uh, what I do is I include what's called a notice of default. This is what they're doing to you and me. When you get that notice in the mail from your township saying, Hey, Crow, you got uh, you got 30 days to pay your trash bill. Uh, or if you don't do pay your trash bill, we're going to turn it over to collections. Uh, that's called a notice of claim that they just gave you. And if you don't respond to that and you let that date go by, they take that as an affirmation that you've agreed that you owe this money. And that's sort of the same thing we're going to do with them. But we're just going to back ours up with the affidavits, with the, the affidavit of status and the affidavit of facts. Because when you do your notice of claim, you're going to file it against them and you're going to put a dollar amount on there. I'm making a notice of, you know, making a claim against you for X amount of dollars. And here's where I'm making a claim for you. You've interfered in my my estate. You know, if it's something to do with your property, you tell them it's your estate or you've interfered in my status. You know, if they're they're messing around with you and and I'll use the term person because it's, it's in a lot of Article 1, Section 8, uh, as far as uh, un, un, unlawful searches and seizures for Pennsylvania. So they're messing with your, your, your person. Think about it that way. And we can get into the word person. Person can be thought of in different things. I, I could be a person of my family, but it doesn't mean I'm a person of the township or a person of uh, the borough. So basically what they're doing is they're, they're messing with your status. So they're either messing with your property, they're doing something with your, your home, or if they're trying to mess with you for a traffic ticket, they're messing with your status. So you want to do a notice when you want to file against your borough or your township. You'll put a notice of claim as a cover sheet and you'll do the same thing. You'll give them a deadline when they respond and you'll state in there that if they don't respond in that time, they've tacitly agreed to everything written there and that they, uh, they've acquiesced everything. So then you have basically uh, a sort of a silver bullet there. If they come mess with you for anything... They keep they push you in some administrative hearing. Well, you're going to challenge the jurisdiction at that hearing and you're going to show up with your unrebutted affidavit and you're going to lay it on the judge's lap and say, what are we doing here? Because I've challenged everything that they've made their claims for and they, they failed to rebut it. So why are we here? So that they're the main basic, they're the three main basic documents. All right. So we're going to make those available one way or the other. Uh, I'm sure Alphonse has been showing up in comments when you're logged in at crow777radio.com. But one thing that's kind of coming to light that I've noticed a lot more this time around in a second, we're going to get your response from the Mr. Roboto episode where the insider basically told us that they had closed courts knowing that you're coming, which I confirmed is true with you and uh, some other things. So just to demonstrate that the Mr. Roboto episode, it's factual because um, you were saying yourself, how would they know? But the affidavit is like a sworn oath of a truthful statement. And what people are beginning to realize is this is infringing on spiritual ideas. People who have spiritual concerns in the world, uh, that's basically one of the things that gets trampled here. If your rights are derived from the creator, um, that's one of the things that gets stomped on in all this kind of corporate nonsense. Um, and a lot of people are catching on to that, but let's go ahead and address the episode we did, which was, uh, 
Again, there was only a bumper on YouTube due to censorship. And there was about a 12-minute episode where we had insider witness testimony from the municipality uh, where, where these affidavit, affidavits from Alphonse have been published. And it's eye-opening. So let's, let's put it on the table. First of all, we, we, know, we know that the witness is factual, don't we, Alphonse? I mean, from what you can deduce. Well, what's weird is how would he, like, I never told anyone, I don't even tell my friends that I had a hearing date. So nobody would have known I, there was a hearing even scheduled. Someone would have never known a date. In other words, was the date before this COVID nonsense? Uh, so he would have known that. And uh, uh, I, he wouldn't have known that when I showed up that I, my date just happened to coincide with the, the court being closed for quote unquote COVID. So that, I mean, that's kinds of information he wouldn't have known. Uh, he knew that Pennsylvania, the part I'm in, he, that's southeastern Pennsylvania and southern Pennsylvania. So he knew that. So there's some stuff there that, that somebody not involved in this probably wouldn't have known. Well, from what we deduced, uh, the court was shut down because you were coming and they didn't know what to do with you. Uh, when I talked with you, first thing I did when I got this um, whole thing dropped in my lap, I called you up. And you told me they'd shut the court twice. And that's quite a thing because I asked you, were you notified? So if they're, if you've got a hearing date and they're going to close the court, don't they have to notify you? Or is it even that simple? Can they close the court? I, I guess would be, that's due process, isn't it? Yeah. And what's weird is, uh, I mean, this is funny. The funny thing is this is the one, this is the matter with the sewer authority where they, they closed the court on me. And it's funny, I didn't really want to get involved in this matter. They, you know, they drug me into it, but this is the matter that taught me everything because I seen how corrupt the system is of what they're doing. It showed me, it showed me their Achilles heel. In other words, how to defeat them because what they're doing is it's criminal fraud. The due process idea, yeah. the idea of, of, even though you're being told it, it's it's some desperate, you know, everyone's going to get sick if we don't close it. The point I, is, is they can't really do that, can they, legally? No, so this this has been an ongoing matter that I filed a ton of paperwork into. And they've coincided with me. Uh, they've uh, corresponded with me through email. So in other words, the judge's assistant, when things have been done, they'll shoot me an email saying this has been done or that's been done. So it's not like they didn't have my email. It's not like they had to mail me a letter and they get it out in time. They had my email. They sent me a ton of other stuff. I got nothing. I would think there had to be some kind of email blast. Like you said, for everybody who had a hearing that day, they sent an email blast out saying, don't show up today. The court's going to be closed. And when I arrived, there's the main parking lot that you park in. And I pulled in and I knew something was up because there's like two cars in the parking lot. And, and this thing's jammed. You have trouble getting in there. And I'm like, I don't trust these people. I'm going to park. I'll pay. And I'm going to walk up to the courthouse and check in because uh, knowing the way they work, uh, I'd look at an empty lot and go home and they'd say, we had your hearing today. You didn't, sh you didn't show up. So I said, I'm going to check in with or without a mask, Alphonse, without a mask. Yeah. And that was another that was another uh, uh, odd situation. I walked in without a mask and there was this big, humongous guy and he sounded like a little girl. He goes, he said that he said that he uh, the, the police there, you don't have a mask on. <laughs> I went, oh, my God. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, so I walked in without a mask and, uh, they didn't really say anything to me and they just said, Oh, the, the, the courts, you know, what's your name? I gave my name. He said, Oh, the, the court's closed. I said, okay. What, I what's said, your name? The court's closed. It, it does. Does your name matter if the court's closed? But there's no notification. You know, I said, well, nobody notified me, you know, nobody knows nothing. No, nobody, you know, nobody knew anything. Uh, and now 
How can that parking lot be empty? Evidently, those people got notifications that the court was closed. I, I got nothing. I, you know, I, I, I received nothing. So that was the, the first time they, they closed the court. And then I had some dumb little thing with my registration and a uh, guy gave me a ticket. And I was and it was, he was actually pretty cool about it. He's like, uh, I had a, a part of my car that was kept failing emissions. And they kept they kept replacing the part and it kept failing. It wasn't nothing I did. It was what the uh, the, the uh, automotive people did. So they wouldn't put the sticker on it without the, the part passing. So he, he gave me a ticket and he said, listen, you, you get it done in 10 days. You know, we're, we're, you know, I won't even show up. I said, OK, so I got it fixed in 10 days. I was going to get it fixed anyway because I wanted the car fixed. So I sent it in and I figured, well, that, that's it. We're, we're done with that. And, and the scumbags that they are, they send me back a thing. Here's your role, defendant. And here's your hearing date. And I went, you know what? I've had enough. And, and so then. I was going to show up to fight that. And I had affidavits in hand and I was going to walk in and I was going to, I was going to surprise them with the affidavits because I'm figuring, you know what, you guys want to play like this? I'm going to drop affidavits on your lap. But first, when I walk in, then you're going to be stuck. You're not going to be able to move. So I show up to court and there's a cop parked out front <laughs> and I get out and I said, is this the courthouse? Cause it's like a little courthouse in media. And he said, yeah, he said, but, uh, they're closed. And I said, oh, okay. Got back in my car and went home again. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. So if you, like you were stating, if you showed up for a scheduled hearing and didn't show up, there'd be a reaction to that, wouldn't there? Yes. I mean, so, yeah. so how in the hell is it that they can dodge the very thing they'd hold your feet to the fire for not like if you didn't make a hearing date? I don't know, you get a bench warrant or whatever the heck they would do. How are they able to just so nonchalantly bail on hearing dates with no notification. I'm not even, you know, I'd like to know more. I'm not even sure that notification gets you there. I mean, if it's an act of God or something, uh, that would be one thing we can't open, but that's not what this is. No, it's funny. You should mention that because that's one of the points that I addressed in my new affidavit today. <laughs> hey, I was there. There's a policeman out front told me the court was closed. I was there. I was ready. And I told him what I was ready to do. I had my affidavits in hand. I was going to challenge jurisdiction and I had my affidavits in hand. You people weren't there. You people. Uh, I said, you people abated the matter. I, I said, I, and guess what, Crow? I heard nothing more from them people for months. In other words, they didn't try to reschedule me for anything. I heard nothing <laughs> from them. That further backs up the witness testimony. I mean, they, they basically swept it under the rug is what you're saying. Now, Alphonse, can we talk about what the matter was about in the first place? Or is that something you can't talk about? Because I'm curious, like, how important to you and or them is the incident in the first place? Well, to me, it really wasn't important. It was about uh, the, the um, not having the emission, emission sticker, even though the car was inspected, which it's none of their business. But uh, so it really wasn't anything important. But they wanted their $160, you know, they were trying to, they were trying to squeeze their $160 out of me for this, this fraudulent case that the cops said, just get it inspected in 10 days and we're done. So I, listen, I don't want to battle over that. If they're just going to let it go, I got my battles already picked out. I'm just going to say, oh, here you go. It was inspected. We're done with each other. But that wasn't good enough for them. They were trying to extract their $160 for their, their inspection thing, their inspection sticker. So they sent me the notice for the hearing. So it was really just about that, that that matter right there. So I, I went there to challenge it. And like I said, they weren't there. And then he disappeared. I didn't hear anything for like two, three months, nothing. 
And then a couple weeks ago, I get a letter from the DMV saying, hey, you have till October 7th to uh, schedule a hearing date. And I, they wanted me to pay more money to schedule a hearing date for a hearing that I went to that they weren't there. Okay, So they wanted me to schedule a new hearing and pay more money. And I said, oh, hell no. So in that new affidavit I created, I went headfirst at the cop, basically. Uh, basically called him a criminal and a, and a thief. And uh, did the same things that Stephen Miller did, but I just didn't have the, the, the federal codes on it. But I addressed the same issues that are in those federal codes, that this is not an officer. This guy has had a man with equal rights to mine force me off the road and approach my car by force of arms and violate my rights. Where did he get this authority? So I, I hit about 20-something points on that and uh, went after the court's jurisdiction, told him the driver's license was, uh, I said, the only reason I carried a driver's license is that a fear threatened arrest. I said, if I don't carry a driver's license with you people, I said, an armed man will put, force me off the road by force of arms and threaten me. And so I said that, that it's carried not because I need it. I was traveling. I wasn't driving. Not because I need it. I carried out of uh, out of safety for myself and for my family. So I, I hit those kind of points and I just I banged them. And uh, I sent that in about 10 days ago and uh, have not heard anything back from anybody. I've well, not got well, anything from the DMV or nothing. If our witness statements are correct, what you can expect is the court will mysteriously close a lot or the judge will be absent. Uh, but <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, this is this really demonstrates the complete one-sided nature and the disrespect for living men and women, the complete disrespect. First of all, they cancel a date, then they come back at you to try to force more money out of you for a thing they canceled, where if you didn't show up for their stuff, there'd be bench warrants or fines or any number of things you can imagine you know they would do to you, but they have no concern for your time. Just for you to stand up for your rights, I mean, how many hours does it take yes. to do this? And that's another thing that shows the complete disrespect of this one-sided system. And that's why I maintain too many people have caught on. This is not going much further. These things are going to get challenged and they're not going to be able to operate because as you said, it's like a stalemate in chess, but worse. There's no move left after you've done what you've done, right? right. To me, it's not quite enough because they need to recognize that your time is valuable. And for you to have to stop your life to put up with their nonsense that they're pressing on you where they can't cite authority in the first place, they should have to pay just like you would if you missed a date or they issued a bench warrant or they did any number of things. It's always money, isn't it? It's always to collect tax. They should be fined. Yeah. The only mistake I made with my, when I sent my affidavit in, I should have said I'm a bill. Really? I should have sent them a bill for like yes. $500, you know? Hey. Right. You gave me, you have any evidence that you gave me any notification that this court was going to be closed? I, I, I spent my entire day. You, you, you burned my entire day. My time's valuable. You owe me 500 hours. That would have put them in a pickle because they don't have any evidence that they, they told me the court was closed. <laughs> they just well, had me show up. I, I got to ask. So one of these corporate institutions puts you in default and they go to a collection agency, which is another corporation. What would prevent a living man or a woman from just hiring a collection agency and tacking on the cost of that and using a collection as the enforcement mechanism. What would prevent a living man or a woman from using collection agencies, how they're typically used against living men and women now? Would that be a possible thing? 
since everything's commerce, sure. I mean, that that's another strategy you could use. Because remember, this is all commerce that, that they're dealing with here. This is all commercial codes and commercial laws. And it's funny, uh, you mentioned the spiritual stuff. And the more I've gotten into this, Crow, it's weird. Is Listen, I don't know if you can make deals with God, <laughs> but I said, hey, I want one thing on earth before I leave here. I said, I just want to be truly free. I want to be a free per- free man. I said, if you provide me that, I promise I'll help as many people as I can. And since then, I've been forced down roads that I would have never went down. Uh, things that I didn't want to get involved in, that I was pushed into. But every time I went down one of those roads, I can't explain it. It gave me more tools, more knowledge that I never would have gotten had I not gone down that road. And since I've done this, things have just sort of come my way. Uh, things have laid out for me. I can't explain it. Even like the, the, the Mr. Roboto guest you had. What are the odds of this guy talking to somebody from, from the municipality where I'm filing my stuff and getting information? You're talking one in a million, you know? But it was almost like an affirmation that you're on the right path here. Just keep going. Keep pushing. What I like about it is... First of all, you're well within your rights. Secondarily, you're using the rules of a system you didn't establish that you were subject to. And maybe the biggest point is you're not being malicious. I don't appreciate, you know, we see all these legal ideas. I don't appreciate it when someone goes for blood. I just don't. First of all, the people working in those municipalities have a job. They were trained into the job. They know what they know. Um, This system is so kind of foul that even those people have been hoodwinked. As I mentioned so many times, I went into my local municipality. I said, why is there gold fringe on that flag? Well, because it's pretty. So I stated, you know, you, ought to, <laughs> you really ought to look that up online because all things on flags and devices have a meaning. Um, they don't know. They're working their job. And to be fair, the police, like I used to work in law enforcement when I was in my 20s. And in San Diego, when you saw the police doing arrest all the way back then, and by the way, that was still back in the era when the police cars, all of them, set on the side to protect and to serve. Now, somewhere near the two year 2000, I forget when it was, maybe after 2000, um, they changed all the to protect and to serve to keeping the peace. I guess they own the peace now. What they used to do was there were typical laws on the books in the penal code that would typically get used a lot for a lot of arrests. If somebody was going to get arrested, and I witnessed this firsthand a lot, and the cop there didn't know what this what the law was that was violated, but knew he would call a sergeant. Sergeant didn't know, they'd call the station, and they'd have a statute there and then, um, knowing full well. That doesn't go on anymore. Um, they don't even know the statutes from what I've seen mostly. And it's literally shifted completely over to like corporate policy. The problem is, is the police officers don't know that they're most of them. I would imagine don't know that they're working for a corporation. But my point here is you're doing it. Honestly, you're doing it within a system that you're subject to that you did not establish. And the big point for me is you're, you're demanding a fair outcome to protect your spiritual nature as a living man but you ain't looking to kick no one in the nads. But nonetheless, you're putting them in checkmate if you have to. And I think that's the trifecta. And I think those are important operating procedures. And by the way, I can't tell you how many, I I mean, I probably have a hundred emails of people expressing how much you have helped them um, just because you could. 
So I know the statement you made, the deal you made with the creator or whatever it was that you'd help as many people. I know you're doing it because I literally have a hundred emails saying um, that you've helped people that they asked and you stood up. So it's just unbelievable that we've, we've come to this point, but I don't know if you agree with me, Alphonse, you're apparently known all the way within the Commonwealth, whatever that means. We have taken it to mean the state. We think it that's is. what is meant by which, yeah, by the common. Yeah. So, so that means that if there is judge school, we've heard tales about judge school, all the judges are going to be talking um, because they've got to, you see the way the system is set up now, if I've understood all the law things is basically the average person walks into court, they're liable and no one else in there is right. So when the table gets flipped, all those sworn officers are suddenly liable, which means they can't be abusing you anymore. So knowing that, you know that those people who can become liable, who are used to not risking anything and just abusing people, um, they're going to talk. And the point I made, you know, you said to me, well, I'm just happy that I could help anyone in my county. And I stopped you. I said, any county. So what's gone on here can be replicated in as far as I know pretty much any county in the United States. And that pretty much means to me there's a shelf life to the abuse that's currently going on. What do you think? No, I think you're right. And, and you know, now that we're on that path, there's a couple other things that I've learned since we've last talked that I think Joel's are going to drop when I roll it out here. Uh, and you want to talk about criminality, that this is stuff that really could send people to jail. And uh, I've learned about it. Like I said, I've, I've been pushed down these paths that I didn't want to go down. And lo and behold, I stumble across stuff and I go, oh, wow, look at that. They've been doing this for years and nobody knows how to challenge it. And it's illegal as the day is long. And let's start off real basic stuff. Let's talk about, you mentioned statutes. Uh, let's talk about private law and public law real quick. And we're going to make it real simple for people because I think people get confused when they hear a lot of guests talking about private law and public law. Let's think, think about public law is if you're an employee at McDonald's and McDonald's passes in some one of their ordinances or codes, that's public law for McDonald's employees. Okay. That, that, in, that entails in McDonald's employees. It's the same thing that they're doing with you, with the municipality and with your state. What they're claiming is that you are a quote unquote citizen or you're a quote unquote resident or you're a quote unquote subject. So what they have done to you with statutes, and let me explain what a statute is. Uh, it's really comes from the legislation. It's, it, it's really not law. It's a legislative enactment. But statutes are what you call private law, and they're private law that they mask to us and present as public law. Now, private law means a contract. Me and Jason have an agreement for something. We sign a contract. That's private law between me and Jason. That's private law. Well, that's the same thing that a statute is. It has to be private law. And in private law, you need consent of both parties. In private wait a minute. Law. Wait a minute. Are we talking meeting of the minds? Are we talking the idea that's supposed to define a contract? In other words, both parties fully understand what they're agreeing to. Exactly. Okay. Full consent, full knowledgeable consent. I can't trick you into consenting with me. In other words, I can't leave some pertinent detail out and get you to consent with me and say, "Well, Crow consented." Well, no. I I left a really <laughs> really big detail out that would that probably wouldn't have got your consent if I told you about it. So that's the meeting of the minds part. So it's got to be a meeting of the minds. It's got to be consent with a statute, just like a contract is consent. Statutes, private law, you need consent of both parties. And here's why it has to be private law, because if it's not private law, 
then some man can write something down on a piece of paper and make it apply to you. That's a violation of the 13th Amendment of indentured servants and slaves. And you can't be a slave to somebody. Nobody has the power to write anything down on a document and make it apply to you. I mean, here's the most simple way I could uh, uh, tell people about this. Let's talk about the, the property taxation stuff real quick. I can't tax my neighbor. I, I, I don't have power to go tax my neighbor. If I get the group, get together with two other neighbors, the three of us can't tax my neighbor. And my neighbor, he can't tax me. And if he gets together with two other people, he still can't tax me. I can't make a written document apply to anyone. That, that, that's called slavery. That's indenturement. But that's what they're doing with you with these statutes. They're claiming that you're a citizen or you're a resident. And what they've done is they've, they've knocked down your status. They've taken you from a man with rights, with God-given inherent rights, and they've reduced you under them to be one of their citizens or one of their residents. And they're applying these private contracts or private, uh, you know, uh, private law to you, and they're making you believe, well, you're part of the public, and it, and it applies to you. It doesn't. Like I said, if somebody could write something down on a piece of paper and make it apply to you or your property, then you're their slave. Let's address what you and I talked about, just to put a finer point on what you're getting at. So you got a bill, and you decided to demonstrate, well, where, where did the authority for this bill I'm getting come from? And you tracked it all the way back to a damn attorney, didn't you? And yeah. they were illegal. Go ahead. Tell that tale, how they illegally passed off some attorney making something up and writing it down and then passing it off as the law. Well, if this doesn't make people's jaws drop, because they're doing this thousands of times a day to everyone throughout this country, here's how your local municipalities and towns are working. Let me explain this. If Jason contacted me and said, hey, Crow owes me money but I don't know how to collect it. And I go, no problem, Jason, I'll take care of it. I'm going to go file a lien on Crow's house. Crow, can I go file a lien on your house? I think you could, couldn't you? No, I, I can't just willingly just go file a lien against your house. I'd have to file a normal complaint against you. Have you served the complaint with a summons to come to court? Ah. And you have, you have my complaint. You could read my complaint. You know the details of my complaint. You see that I've signed it and basically verified my complaint. I put my name on it. It means I'm responsible for what I gave you. If I perjured myself or I'm lying in this matter, you could crucify me if you could prove it when we get in court. But I can't do anything to you until I get you before a court. And if you look in most state constitutions, we'll give you a right to trial by jury, which means the judge and the jury are separate. They have to hear this matter and make a decision. But that's not what's going on with your local townships and your local boroughs. What they're saying is, hey, Alfonso's is a trash tax. We don't know how to collect it because we can't collect it legally. We can't file a complaint against Alphonse and bring him in court because we don't have a valid cause of action to move on. Because they would need, the only thing they could possibly bring me in on, which is impossible, is it'd have to be a, a, a contract default where I somehow contracted with them and I didn't hold my part of the contract up. So they can't get me in the court under a valid cause of action. They know that. The attorneys know that. So what they do is they turn it over to a collections firm. And the collections firm is really just a charade for an attorney firm. They have the collections people that work under the attorneys that send these little notices out. But it's the attorneys pulling all the strings. 
So when you knock out the little collections people, because they, they never verify anything, even though they're supposed to, when you, somebody sends you something, you could say, I want that to be verified. That means I need the source who's telling you I owe this debt. I need them to put their name on it, you know, because nothing ever has anybody's name on it. Nobody ever wants to accept liability. So what they're doing is they then turn it over to the attorney who's, who they work with and who that firm works with and get what they're doing here. This is as legal as the day is long. The attorney who has no legal standing, he don't know, he has no personal knowledge of anything that's going on with you. He takes that paperwork, he creates his paperwork, and he calls it a lien. It's, it's his filing. He calls it a lien. And he files it with the court as a property lien. Well, gee, that just violated your state constitution, your, your right to a trial by jury. It violated your due process rights. You know, you would have never had notice and opportunity to defend against it. Oh, and by the way, it's criminal fraud what he just did. Because that there's man, no there's no there's no source for the authority to do that. Exactly. He and he'll he'll they'll say, well, this statute gave me authority. Oh, wait, make it straight. Well, now we're back to slavery. You're saying somebody wrote something down on a piece of paper called a statute, and it gave you a private attorney with a bar card, it gave you authority to come damage me and damage my property. Is that your claim? Because that's what they're doing. And that's as legal as the day long is long that they can't apply the statute to you that way. That statute violates numerous constitutional rights that you that are secured for you. So what that is, that's criminal fraud. And let me show you how this played out with me. And I'll give you a direct representation of how to throw like a little monkey wrench into what, what this court system's doing. So I learned my lesson with the, the sewer authority. This is the same thing the sewer authority did to me. The attorney created the lien. I never knew it though. I didn't know his filing was the lien. So he filed it. I got it all now. I still got him in check. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm deciding they did so many, so much egregious stuff in this case. This is my big payoff, this one. I'm going to wait to bring this one in federal district court because they just keep doing more and more illegal things. So that's fine by me. So I'm not worried about them. They, they're, they're no problem with me. But I learned my lesson because when the township did it to me, and guess what? They wanted a sewer. They, they're trying to collect the sewer tax, too. So I got the sewer authority trying to collect the sewer tax and my own township trying to collect a sewer tax. This sewer tax must be very popular. Everybody's trying to collect on it. You know? So they did the same thing. They turned it over to a collection agency. I knocked them out of the box. They wouldn't respond to me. I, I put them on notice. Uh, they wouldn't respond to me. So uh, their slick attorney, guess what he does? He files a property lien against me. It's, it's the, uh, the, Del the Delaware County Court of Common Pleas, and I call them the Delaware County Court of Common Thieves because that's what they are. Uh, so I get paperwork in the mail from the, the Court of Common Thieves, and it says, uh, oh, there's a judgment been issued <laughs> against you. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So I'm looking in there, and I see with a judgment, there's two things you're supposed to get with a judgment. The first page is a notice telling you that there's a judgment, and the second is the actual judgment. So I couldn't figure this out because I couldn't do couldn't figure it out with the sewer authority. And I'm I'm looking with the, the local township and I'm I'm saying, geez, where the hell's the judgment at here? I got I got the notice. I don't see the judgment here. So I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So what I did is uh I filed an affidavit, my, my good old affidavit. I created I created uh, two affidavits and I sent first affidavit I sent to the township before I even went to the court. I sent the affidavit to the uh, the township of Aston. I gave them 10 days to respond. Of course, they didn't respond. So they were in default. And all my affidavit was, it took apart their authority to do anything with me, to tax me, to charge me anything. It just destroyed all their arguments. And, and 
was given, you know, was a sent to them through certified mail and they didn't rebut it. So then I took that unrebutted affidavit and I created another affidavit to go with it that was addressed to the uh, Office of Judicial Support who had sent me the notice of the judgment. And I said, hey, you guys, just to let you know, I'm putting you on notice of criminal fraud here. Uh, And by the way, the township's in default. Everything that they stated, uh, they rebutted. You know, it's been challenged by affidavit and they haven't answered. I'm going to need you to abate this matter. So I sent it into the court and uh, about a week passes. I get a message on my phone from someone from the Office of Judicial Support. They want me to file a notice of appearance and they want me to pay them another $50 just to get my paperwork seen. They want, I got to pay $50 to get my paperwork seen. So I called a guy up and and I talked to him and uh, I get him in trouble real easy. He he starts making claims about what the township's uh, rights are and uh, what the attorney's rights are and and that I'm a defendant. He's making all these statements and I'm just, I'm, I'm just taking it all in, noting it all, taking it down. And, uh, Soon after I talked to him for another about another minute, he quickly learned he was in over his head. And uh, he said, uh, listen, he said, uh, they're in a meeting now, but I'm going to have the deputy director call you. And I made him promise me before I got off the phone. Promise me, Tom, you're going to have the deputy director call me, right? Yes, yes. Uh, four days passes. I don't get a call from anybody. And look, guess what shows up in, in my mail? My paperwork. <laughs> All my paperwork came back. Okay. Gotcha. Now I'm going to now I'm going to push this up to a different level and start really taking things in that I learned a lot of stuff I learned from Robert Fox. So now what I did is I created two more affidavits to go with the unrebutted affidavit and the first affidavit that was served at a court. So now I created two more affidavits. One was an affidavit of status telling them where my rights came from, came from my creator. They don't come from you. You don't tell me what to do and you don't tell me when to show up or what you're going to do to me. That's pretty much what the affidavit states. So then I also this time I got smart, Crow. I learned I'm going to send this one to the clerk of the court. That's the boss of the court. She schedules everything. That's that's her domain. So I sent it to her and I said, hey, if you well, let me let me read it real quick to you. If you like, uh, I said, in your possession are four affidavits, two of which were received by the court on 930 2020 and were returned to me on 1013 2020. The first affidavit addresses the court as to the true facts of the matter. The second affidavit was provided to the persons doing business as the township of Aston and was defaulted on as they neither rebutted it uh, with their affidavit or attempted to answer it in any way. In addition, in addition, you now have this affidavit and my affidavit of status submitted under uh, submitted pursuant to 28 USC 1746. And all that is basically is saying that uh, under the penalty of perjury, I'm submitting these documents to you. Then I go on. It's very, really short. I said, I received a phone message from Tom from your office of judicial support who would not uh, disclose his last name to me. I said in the message, Tom stated that I was required to file a notice of appearance and pay $50 fee to have my affidavits entered. I said, why on earth would I file into a fraudulent proceeding filed by an attorney with no standing, filed in the name of a fictitious plaintiff with no witnesses and no verifications and give this matter any legitimacy at all? Then I go on to starting to ramp it up a little bit. And I say, I returned Tom's message and spoke with Tom. Uh, Tom proceeded to make several legal judgments as to what the township of Aston's rights were, what the attorney's rights were, and what my rights were, and what my status was. I said, which is not only inappropriate, it violates due process of law and constitutes criminal fraud. I said, when Tom realized he was in over his head, he promised he would have the deputy director call me. I said, not only did I not receive a call back from the deputy director, 
Tom returned my affidavit that I've now had to pay again to resend to you. I said, and here's where the killer is, Crow. This is where you really start to put them on in check. In my affidavits, I put this court on notice of criminal fraud that had been committed against me. I have a firm good faith reliance that officers of the court have executed oaths to support both the state and federal constitutions and to uphold the law. I have a firm good faith reliance that officers of the court are educated, trained, paid, and sworn to uphold the law. And I put officers of the court are required to report criminal activity as promptly as they become aware of it. The returning of my affidavits, which which are notices and evidence of crimes, appears to meet many of the elements under the Pennsylvania Title 18, Section 4952, intimidation of witnesses or victims. And every state's going to have these same statutes that I just noted there. And here's where I closed it out. This is the clerk of the court I'm addressing now. Miss Walk, I really don't want to have to include the court, Tom, and yourself in the legal actions I'm about to take to get redressed for the individuals that initiated and involved me in this fraudulent matter. I said, as it entails state criminal charges, federal criminal charges, and federal civil filings. I said, you people let an attorney with no jurisdiction, no standing, and no personal knowledge of anything create a lien against my private property with the stroke of his pen, and he did it in the name of a fictitious plaintiff. And then you people called it a judgment under Rule 236. I said, not only does that court does the court have no evidence of jurisdiction in this matter, you've trampled my uh, my rights to due process of law and trampled the state and federal constitutions, which you uh, you're, which you're bound to. I said again, I'm going to demand you honor your oath of office, get in compliance of the law immediately abate this matter and return my status and my property status back to whole. Here is just the beginning of where this matter is headed. And I'd really like to leave the court and you people out of it. And then I go through to list about 20 different civil and criminal statutes that, that are a lot of them carry jail sentences. I've not heard back from her in 10 days now. So I don't know where we're at with this. And that was sent certified mail. Certified mail. So now remember what I did here I'm putting them on the, like, I'm not just saying, Hey, this is not right. I'm saying, Hey, you know what? I'm reporting a crime to this court. And I did it through my affidavit. When you put a court on notice of a crime, they got to take an action, crow. <laughs> they, they can't send so, your paperwork back to you, but we don't want to deal with this. Just send his paperwork back. You know, no, 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 no. It's, it's almost, it's almost unbelievable. Like these people don't understand how things work. If I follow your thread here, it seems to me like in past episodes, we kind of established at the municipality, a lot of people get trampled. Up at the state, a lot of people get trampled. Once you make it to the federal court, there's no more games, so to speak. But it sounds like you're trying to press your advantage and your authority at the municipal level. Yeah, I want to try and beat them on their own court. You know, I mean, that's my, that, I want to see if I can beat them in their own court. That's my goal. Because I, I, I'm going to thump them up in federal district court. Because now I become the plaintiff and, and they're, they're, they're the defendants. Is, is this the kind, like, so we know everyone's heard the name Fox, <laughs> who's kind of a legend for having simply done the same thing you did, got tired of getting pushed around and got judgments and millions of dollars. I mean, is that where this heads? Well, the danger is, you know, I told you about the guy from Florida. He, he got a settlement, but they made him sign a non-disclosure. He couldn't, he couldn't get his paper, couldn't give his paperwork out. The danger is with someone like me or any, I'm no, I'm not special. Anybody could do what I'm doing. Uh, if somebody else files against them in federal district court and I beat them in federal district court 
and it's on a property tax matter. And I showed it the entire process was fraud. Well, my God, everybody from every county and every in, in the country could file my paperwork. They could take my paperwork and pretty much put their name on it. <laughs> so, but wait a minute. This is another thing. Like the guys from Australia, everyone's always got a problem that shows the fraud in legal systems, getting it on the record. And they're settled out of court and forced to agree to seal it. So, you know, one way or shape or form, it never gets on the record. Is that part of where you're headed to get this on the record? Yeah, I want to get it on the record. You know, and listen, I gave these people, uh, I gave them at least 10 times to get my properties off their assessment roll. And they pretty much, what their their response is, they've given me the middle finger. Now, I can only ask you so many times, you know, I've given you an opportunity to get my, my properties off. <clears throat> well, you don't want to listen to me? Well, great. Now we're going to go to federal district court. And not only am I going to file against the municipal corporation, I'm going to file against you individually. And I'm going to make you come in and answer to me because you didn't want to answer. Put it this way. It's not that you didn't want to answer. It's that you couldn't answer my questions because you can't do anything without your attorney. Everything I asked you, you have to turn to your attorney and try and get an answer. That's called witness tampering. Attorneys can't answer questions for clients. OK, that's that's one of the most that's that's another thing these people do continuously. They let attorneys speak for them. Can't do that. That's called witness tampering. If I get them in a deposition before a trial and I'm asking them questions and the attorney's there, attorney's got to shut up. He can only tell them you don't have to respond to that or whatever. But that attorney can't answer the questions. When I ask that question and it's something in line, uh, they got to respond. Uh, they they got to give me an answer to the question. So to me, even when you're out of court and somebody from a municipal corporation, you are asking them legitimate questions. You're there in good faith asking questions. And they say, well, I can't answer this. I got to I got to go to talk to my attorney. You, know, you got to talk to my attorney. Well, to me, that's witness tampering. Why, why do I need to go talk to your attorney? Your attorney's not making a claim against me. Technically, you are. So why am I talking to somebody who's got no personal knowledge of anything and no uh, no, no standing in this matter? Why would well, I, that, why would that- I Wait, wait a minute, but that's demonstrated when the person walks into a typical court situation with an attorney and they're presumed to be not able to stand on their own as adult. It's almost like they've lost already. So the same, what I'm pointing at is the same idea is being applied against typical men and women that walk in with attorney that you're applying back on that. But I, I got to ask even more. So what we're seeing here is corporation has crept in. But it appears that the original ideas of Constitution were so well put together um, that there's still recourse. But here's the problem. How do they not know it? If you're a sworn officer, then that means what you're doing, everything you're doing, is under the color of authority, doesn't it? It's sedition and treason. So if someone reports, says to them flat out, like you have done, I'm reporting a crime, you can't walk away from that. You're a sworn officer of the court. You either have to rebut it or, you know, you can't just ignore it, right? No. And here's what's really bad with what I did. Because <clears throat> not only did I do it in an affidavit form that I've told them I'm reporting a crime, Pennsylvania, Article 1, Section 6, you have a right to trial by jury. You have a right to due process. Was I given due process or a trial jury when, when they when they, when they closed the court and you couldn't when they get the court when they did this, this phony judgment. No. So, so now that the clerk of courts has that in her lap, that's so easy for me to prove that you broke the law. You're in non-compliance of the law. I have a right to jury trial. I have a right to due process of law. You didn't do that in this matter. I mean, there, there's no two ways about it. They can't argue it. 
It's right there. You people swore an oath to uphold the federal constitution and the state constitution. Article 1, Section 6, I have a right to a trial by jury. You didn't give me a trial jury. You didn't give me a jury by trial here. You created a, you let an attorney uh, counterfeit a judgment. That's really a counterfeited judgment that he did. In other words, that judgment isn't based off of a court judgment. He created it out of thin air with his pen. He well, created it's, a judgment. It's fraud, though. You can't call fraud. that a judgment. It's fraud. It's criminal fraud. It's exactly what it is. There's a definition for, I'm guessing there's a, a definition in blacks or anywhere else for the word judgment, right? There's probably a judge involved, I'm guessing. Well, all legitimate judgments are signed by a judicial officer, a judge. Okay. And it's, he signs it and he dates it. Well, last I checked, that attorney, he's not a judge and wow. uh, he, don't ha- he don't have authority. And, and this is going on everywhere. Everywhere. Every day, <laughs> thousands of times a day it's going on. When I heard this from that guy, when, when I talked to that guy, Tom, and he said, I said, well, where's the judgment, Tom? I said, you guys cited Rule 236. I got the notice. Where's the judgment? He said, isn't the lawyers filing in there? I said, what? <laughs> I said, you're calling that the judgment? I said, oh, my God, this is criminal fraud. I thought that they were hiding the judgment from me, you know, that that some judge signed something and they just didn't give it to me. They're using the attorney's filing as the judgment. He can't he can't make judgments against you with me. He don't have Uh, I don't care if he's got it. You know what he can do with that bar card where he can stick it? That bar card doesn't give him any more authority over me than anybody else. Okay. doesn't Uh, the B in bar stand for British. I think it's British accredited registry. <laughs> Anyhow, we're, we're kind of coming up on the top, but in a minute, I'm going to ask you to recite the names of the documents you're willing to provide for template, but I'll say an open thing to all the corporations that are masquerading as governments right now. If you recognized and respected the rights of a living man or woman, this wouldn't have to go as far south as it seems like it's about to go. Too many people have caught on. There's no band-aid that's getting put on this. There's no kind of overarching (laughs) tonic that can be applied to the frauds that are now coming to light. And what it basically comes down to is the refusal of corporations to recognize the rights granted by the creator of a living man or woman. And this is proven out in how these things have come to be because it's done by coercion It's done by trickery. It's done in any number of ways. Let's take our auto insurance as a good example. Now it says when I get my auto insurance right at the top, here's the offer. But everybody knows if I turn that offer, down the offer, what comes next? Now the DMV won't give me my license or my registration. Now every time I pull out of my driveway, a corporate police officer is going to force me off the road under force of arms. So really... There is no offer being made because if you turn down the offer, what comes on the tail of it is unbearable for any man or woman. So I'm just pointing out, hey, corporations, you're probably going to need to start respecting the rights of living men and women. But Jason, anything you want to add in before we begin to wrap up and Alphonse restates the names of those templates? Well, Alphonse, what's the next step for you? Because they seem to really just be putting their tail between their legs and running, aren't they? Well, they haven't shown me that yet, and it could be it could be for a couple different reasons. It's sort of like if they give in now, isn't it sort of admitting everything they were doing was fraud? <laughs> they just can't they just can't say, "Hey, Mr. Fadjo, we take your prop we took your properties off the rolls." 
Isn't that just saying, yeah, yeah, we're committing fraud. Oh, please don't tell anybody. <laughs> you know? So you sort of you get them at a certain point where they're between a rock and a hard place. And the only way you're really going to get their attention is you have to file against them. And it's one thing I want to stress with everybody is do not play defense with these people. OK, you're not going to win in their courts. They're, they're corrupt beyond belief. I filed just a sewer authority. I filed seven motions into that thing that should have got that case to miss, dismissed. Every one of them is a valid motion. It, it's an unopposed motion. Nobody opposed it. The attorney can't oppose it. Nobody opposed the motion. And the judge denied the motions. But that leads in other criminal stuff. But you need to go on offense. You need to get your affidavits out there. Get them unrebutted because that's going to now make your case when you start filing criminal complaints against these people and when you start filing civil suits. And we're going to go into criminal criminal complaints after the hour. Uh, and you're going to love some of that stuff, uh, some of them stories. So, yeah, you got to go on offense against these people. You got to put them on defense because remember, don't get scared uh, when you people are afraid to report crimes. And, and people will say to people that uh, I've heard people say, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you somebody working at the, the municipality or whatever. Well, that's called that's called witness tampering. <clears throat> that's intimidation of a witness. You're there to try and report a crime. And somebody working there saying, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't file that against a judge or I wouldn't file that against a police officer. <clears throat> it's called witness tampering. Get their name and go file a complaint against them too. When you start filing stuff against people, guess what? They start getting phone calls from people. And we'll go into that, like you said, after the hour. Uh, how that process all right, works. All right, we got we got to wrap. We're we're going too long here, so I'm going to call that um, hour one of episode 263 with uh, Jason Linger and Alphonse Fagiolo. Uh, his confirmation that the witness account we ran in 261.5 was factual. Anyhow, in hour two, we're going to get into a whole other. It's it's unreal. It is unreal the systems that have been pulled up around us that we all took for granted while our rights went bye bye out the window. Uh, here we are heading into the new era of I know, and it's not good enough anymore. People want their rights, and they're preparing to defend them. Join us on the other side at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com, and we're going to get into some pretty heavy legal ideas. And by the way, uh, it is most likely that on my website, the documents that Alphonse is providing as templates will be posted. There it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era, because that's where we are now. There it is. Cheers.